Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me today with my guest, Michelle Barbick. Michelle is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's also a hope therapist. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hi, Marcia. Thank you so much. It's lovely to hear your voice again. Oh, it's so nice to talk with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to mention to the listeners, when, when I have a, a guest on my show that I don't know personally that I'm meeting maybe for the first time, even though it's just, you know, audio, I talk to my guests ahead of time. I want to get to know them. And you guys are really in for a treat because somebody that goes into this line of work already is kind and and that's just that's just a part of who you are michelle and i'm I'm really looking forward very much to spending this hour with you and I thought perhaps how we could start is why don't you just tell our listeners you know just a little bit about yourself okay i um I wanted to comment that you <laughs> are born to talk. And you are in the perfect um, career, <laughs> and And I was thinking yeah. about how we're having to push our comfort levels here because I'm the one that has to talk today, and you're the one <laughs> the list. So I appreciate oh. this this uh, challenge, if you will. Um, yes. I, like I said, I, I, I have from a young child. I have always been a good listener, and um, I, I, I started, you know, from a very young age listening to my friends, and um, so this has got me, I'm a psychotherapist, I have, um, I went back to school at an older age, but I love what I do, and I'm so glad that I did it. I have, um, in my private practice, I have my private practice in Campbell, and I do individuals, I do kids, I do um, groups, uh, mostly around grief, but it's, that's not the only um, theme. But it's interesting because most, uh, most all of us have, have and are experiencing grief at one time or another. It doesn't always have to be the loss of a loved one, but um, we all have things that we've lost that we, we miss. So I am. I have had. I've been married for 44 years to a Ooh. very supportive man who has mm-hmm. supported all of my my crazy adventures throughout life, <laughs> and I just really appreciate that. And a son who's in his 40s, who we're very close, and he is oftentimes on a similar path as I in the sense of hmm. wanting to give back and um, tell his story. He's writing a book right now, so about his story. And I wow. have two wonderful grandkids, one 10, a granddaughter who's 10, who's 
so much fun because she's the daughter I never had. Oh. And a grandson who I'm so proud of. He's at Berkeley in astrophysics and just a lovely, loving boy, uh, man at this point. Mm, yeah. um, I have a business with my best friend. We've been doing women's retreats for 25 years. We've taken women, groups of women uh, nationally and internationally um, with, the, with, you know, just um, usually we have different themes of supporting women, um, empowering uh, women's health, many different issues. So um, I'm in my 70s, and I'm very proud of it. And, mm-hmm. um, Me too. Hands I, up, everybody. Put your hands up. Okay, go on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's, I think it's one of the best times of my life. Well, uh, you know, so, and yeah. and I that's in, that is inspiring. And I grew up listening to therapists on the radio. You you mm-hmm. you're in Campbell, which for those of you that don't know where that is, it's near San Jose, California. So so Michelle is north of me. But there was always these talk radio shows that had Dr. Tony Grant, Dr. David Viscott, and I thought for sure I was going to be a therapist, too. I wasn't going to go to school to do that. I was just going to tell people. I was just going to advise people. <laughs> right. So uh, that, that's me. So how did you know you wanted to be a therapist? Well, it started at a very, very young age. Uh, when uh, I'll tell you a little story. So when I was six years old, here I am, an only child, grew up in Buffalo. I was it was cold. I was under my covers late at night, and there was this beautiful picture of an angel on my wall, and she was praying. I I grew up in uh, Catholic, and mm-hmm. I loved all the the female figures in the Catholic Church, Mary and angels and um, Joan of Arc. You know, um, uh-huh. and, I'm looking at this picture, and my mom comes in, and she goes, Michelle, it's very late. How come you're not sleeping? And I hesitated telling her, but I, you know, was very close, and my mom was very loving. I felt okay to tell her, oh, mom, I just, just keep thinking. And keep thinking about who am I and why am I here? And my mom looked mm-hmm. at me with a <laughs> look like, Oh, what am I going to say? Uh, <laughs> and I don't remember what she said to me, but it was probably something like, well, you'll you'll figure that out as you get older, and you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that now. So you need to go to sleep. <laughs> and so that question I've had since a very young age. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's part of, you know, being an only child, very kind of introspective, and um, I, I really enjoyed bringing people together and hearing their stories. And I had friends that my mom said, Michelle, you always have friends that have problems. <laughs> I said, well, uh-huh. it's not so much that they have problems. Like all kids have problems, but they're willing. They wanted to come and tell me, and I was, I was willing to listen, to sit still as a kid and listen. And... Um, and so I, I just, as a young, a young age, I didn't think I was going to be a therapist when I was huh. in, gra- in grammar school. But as I got in high school, I got interested in psychology. And we had some mental illness in my extended family that ended up having two of my female 
family members in state hospitals. And I was very inquisitive about that. Like, what is this all about? And so I, I, to, um, in my, in, in, in college, I took the classes I went to, I volunteered at state hospitals to work and got to know a little bit more about, you know, what, what the, what the brain's all about and what's happening. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, I wanted to find out if I had anything to worry about in the family. And, Mm um, so that was, um, you know, I think that part is what spurred me the most is to, um, is to, it's a field that you never can learn at all. You know, it's always mm-hmm. changing, too, which is so exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Right now I'm getting involved with psychedelic-assisted therapy that I'm wow. um, taking a, a nine-month class uh, to get educated so that when it's, this all opens up, we'll be able to have therapists. It's such, I mean, I could go on a whole hour about that, but I, I won't. Mm. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so... That love, I loved school. I, I mm-hmm. throughout, you know, since grammar school, I've been wanting to go to, you know, I've been going to school. I went to Santa Clara University um, when I was in my 40s, late 30s, and almost mm-hmm. finished the graduate program, and there was a problem. Something came up in our family that I had to stop. And mm-hmm. it, was, um, it was such a shame because I was right at that point where I would have been able to graduate and get my license. Um, But I did have a beautiful experience there. I organized a women's day at, it was 1998. I organized Mm -hmm. a women's event that um, 40 women and we would have a couple group sessions. Well, as it turned out in synchronicity kept happening and these Mm -hmm. things were just coming to me. We, um, we had a, a women's day that had 400 people attend and there were 22 workshops that we, we put on. And mm. so at that point I knew that this was something I needed to do or that sure it was, it was just too easy. You know, like when things come easy, you want to look at that and go, well, Hmm, that question I had about my purpose, maybe this is some, you know, reflection of that. Sure. But what was it yeah. like to go to grad school when you were 59 years old? Because, I mean, well, that's pretty I inspiring. My 40s. It was, um, so I was almost finished in my 40s and then uh, my early 40s. And then 19 years later, my husband mm-hmm. said, you know, Michelle, you've always wanted to do this. You need to this is the time to go back. So 20 years, 18 years later, mm-hmm. I um, went back to school and Santa Clara, they wouldn't take my credit. So I looked around, I went into, I, JFK would take some of my classes and it was a holistic counseling program, which was really where I was at in my life was perfect. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, it was, there were, I walked into school and I went, whoa, I feel like I'm coming home. It just felt so comfortable. But then when I walked mm-hmm. into the classroom and there's all these young students, <laughs> was, um, I, it was very intimidating uh, yeah. from how I dressed 
at the time I was working in real estate and I was, you know, looked like a realtor walking into the room and everybody else is casual and um, I stood out like a sore thumb, I was afraid. And, <laughs> um, and, and then as I'm sitting in classes, things like a class of the paradigm of consciousness, at the time I had no clue what that was. And uh-huh. all the students, they knew exactly. I, I was like, I had been dropped from a spaceship into this classroom, and hey, I, I was on a different planet or something. It was very strange. And um, but over time, I got to know the students, and they, you know, were able. I changed my clothes when I would, uh-huh. I would change from being a realtor to a student, um, and and then I I met a friend. He he was in his late 70s, early 80s when he started. Hmm. And I, 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 I thought, wow, here he is, 80, and I'm, I'm just 59 at the time. And I, he was such an inspiration to me. I bet. As was one of my teachers. I, I asked him, I said, you know, is this crazy for me to be doing this? You know, at my age, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get my license until I'm near 60. And he said, well, do you expect, do you expect to live to be 60? Yes. And he goes, well, would you rather be 60 and working in your passion than just being 60 and just wished you had something you were passionate about? Hmm. I went, whoa. Whoa. And that really hit me yeah. like yeah. and I've told clients this story and they said, mm-hmm. Oh, that's so inspira- you know, inspirational because we always feel like, Oh, well maybe we're too old or we're too young or we're too this or we're too that to mm-hmm. do what we really want to do. And we're never too old. We're never well, you too know, old. that's that's a that's a great lead into what I wanted to ask you next. Because um, I remember this talk radio show host when I was my driving my kids to school. I that was seemed to be on the radio, and he talked very much about understanding your purpose in life, which you actually understood at a very young age. You might not have called it a purpose or a passion, but you under, But it was the, the the stepping stones for where you came today. So I would like to know how does how do you think one knows what their purpose or passion is in life? You know that's a question that many many people ask. I was on mm-hmm. a um, a panel of speakers mm-hmm. at San Jose State at the time, and it was oh. um, it was changing senior when you I forget the name of the title, but it was like changing careers at later life. And there hmm. were young college students there. And after after this panel um, spoke, she raised her hand and asked me, "How do I know my purpose?" She said, "I'm I'm going to med school, and this is what my parents wanted me to do." Oh and wow! I have an excitement about it, but I don't mm-hmm. know what my passion is. And there's. You know, I, my heart breaks because there's this happens a lot. It happens. I see it when people come in that are grieving, because mm. when you're grieving, you have a time to just evaluate your life, just like many of us 
did during COVID. Everything stopped, and all of a sudden we go, whoa, is this the life I wanted? Or what change do I need to make? And um, this is such an important time in our history, I think, because there's a lot of us who are out there reevaluating our lives. And mm-hmm. so, um, so this idea of, of stopping and, and recognizing, like with my clients, I've had clients change from being an accountant to, you know, playing the guitar at hospice. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had people pick up and write a book. I've had them. And when you're grieving, you're, you've had this openness to, like, who do I want to be? What do I want to do? Right. Um, so, That's true. Yes. So, like the the young girl who who wanted to know, you know, she was she wasn't passionate about being a doctor. What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I I encourage people to look at their life. Just take some time to do what I just was telling you about. Like when mm-hmm. I was six, was you know when I was in grammar school and when I was high school and college. What were those things that excited you? You know, what What did you find yourself doing from age seven, by the time you get to, before you get to age seven or seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. you do things because you want to. You're not being encouraged by your parents or society or usually, right? We usually right. pick up things that excite us, you know, whether right. it's, whatever it is. And whatever so it is, can, right. Right. But it was you. You wanted to do it. It was fun. You didn't worry about your body image. You didn't worry about anything. You just Mm-mm. had fun with it. And so go back and and be reflective. I, I do a lot of journaling, and I encourage yeah. my clients to do that. And journal about what did I do before the age of seven or seven or eight? You know, what were those things that excited me? What, you know... What did I do in grammar school? What were the events I got involved with? And what what are those things that you're drawn to? What do you what kind of movies do you like to watch? What kind of books do you you know go towards? Like I was saying, I was reading psychology all the time. Just be introspective on that, and all of a sudden you see the thread that goes through your life. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, maybe that's what I need to get involved with. Right? Right. Like this man who, who changed and became a guitar, he went to his guitar. Mm-hmm. He had his guitar throughout all his life. When he had when he had issues or challenges, he went and played his guitar. And hmm. so that's what, what brings him the peace. So, yeah, just be reflective of what are those those things that excite you. And right. Who are the who are the people you want to be around? You know, like right. you, you have communities of people that either inspire you and make you feel good or you go and you get around a bunch of people that you go away and you go, oh, no, I don't, hmm. I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel better after being around them. Right. Well, then they're not, they're not your people. Exactly. So you mentioned that you're in your 70s, as am I. Um, there's probably some best times of your life being in your 70s and some that are more challenging. What do you think being in your 70s, why do you think that that's a great time to be right now? You mentioned how much you enjoy that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I think it's because I have a little bit better answer on who am I and why am I here, to be honest. Um, You know, there's some contentment in the eye that I put myself around people that I feel good about. I, I've put my, my energies and what I watch and what I do, I'm really picky on it um, mm-hmm. because it, well, that's what brings me joy, be around what brings you yeah. joy. Yeah, um, that's true. That is back. I know I, I, my spiritual teacher is Ram Dass, and he mm-hmm. always would say, from role to soul. So when we were younger, we had roles. We, you know, we had to go to school or we were you know, encouraged to go to school. We um, got a career. We had a family maybe. We um, got a, worked hard to get a home, car. You know, it was all around our role, you know, being, mm-hmm. being the mother of wife. And when past our 60s, usually – that's not as important. Material things aren't as important. Right. And that it's more like how, um, kind of go through this reflection of what I've done in my life and how can I give back? And usually right. if we're working passion, like you do, Marsha, mm-hmm. you give back so much. You know, I'm listening to all your podcasts and how you network and, and support people. And that, you know, it's, it's not the money or it's not the material no. things that are important this time in our life you know and so and, and I excuse my interruption and and you know what no just between you and me I I'm sorry I asked that question out of order but you know what that's okay because we can roll with this I put page three in front we of did. page two for me Uh oh I what I'd <laughs> like to know is sorry you're probably going oh what's going on here okay so but you know what here's how this works we're not while while we've never met I don't feel that you're a stranger, and I can apologize for messing that up a little bit, but clearly you didn't have a problem with it. So let's go to back what I really wanted to ask you next, which is, well, wait, go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> go ahead, yes. I, I, we don't want to paint the 70s as just rosy and perfect because That's there's true. a lot of challenges. I, I'm very grateful because I have my health. And so right. I, you know, I want to put it out there for people who go, oh, Michelle, you know, my mom would say to me, oh, it's, it's the pits getting older. And she mm-hmm. had health issues. And so I do have health issues. And in, that it right. is a very trying time, you know, when we lose people, when we lose our health, when we lose our youth, you know, when we lose all the important things, there's, there's a lot of that when we're, 60 and older. So I want to recognize the odds. It's true. Rec- yeah. yeah. You know, um, of course I'm all over social media because that's just part of my personality. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the loss of loved ones. But you also see, unfortunately, frequently, the loss of a pet. The loss mm-hmm. of your pet that has gone over the rainbow bridge, as they would say. And you've had this dog or cat for 16 years, and you are really mm-hmm. grieving. And so, you know, there are a lot of different things, as you had mentioned, and what we'll be talking about, that that bring, um, you know, grief to our life. And um, I'm wondering, um, what have been your personal and professional experiences that have changed your perspective on life 
and death. Because I think you have a story there. I do. Um, <clears throat> the biggest thing that comes up is uh, around my mom's death. Uh, so I had an incredible fear of death. Like I would drive around two blocks over out of my way to not go past a cemetery. I really mm. had a, a exaggerated fear of death. And um, my mom uh, had a stroke and she came to live with us and, and, um, and developed pneumonia. I, I, it's a longer story, but I'll make it short. Mm-hmm. And she and I were very close. But she was ready. She, her dementia, you know, really changed her quality of life. And the doctors said that only unless she had more surgeries, that probably wouldn't do anything anyway. But they could try. She didn't want to go through any more surgeries. So she was willing and, and wanting to uh, have hospice come in. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know, you know, hospice that much about hospice and um but we got the, her bed all set up at home at my home and we um had hospice nurse come in and the hospice nurse said to me uh, michelle my mom i went through this experience with my mom and you're going it's an incredible experience ahead for you i went i was pissed it was like incredible experience this is my mom i was so close to my mom and mm-hmm. so there was no opening for this to be an incredible experience. It was a horrible experience, I right. was thinking. But she opened the door for me a little bit to kind of, wow, what's ahead? And mm-hmm. so <clears throat> my mom, really, that she was on hospice for only two or three days. She went oh. fast. And they, that, that, so I stayed, now, this is another thing. You know, this happened um, 15 years ago, and I still have, you know, the, the grief that comes up. Yes. The, we never lose our grief. It, it goes in different ways, but mm-hmm. it's in different entities, but um, it's, it's, it's there. And I think people need to know that we live with it and we we incorporate into our life is how we deal with it. It just doesn't go, you know, go away. So no. anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm like birthing my mom the opposite way. You know how, we, like I was feeding her from a baby spoon, little water. Oh my God. And I could see her transitioning over to the next life or, mm-hmm. um, the next reality, whatever, and um, and I at one point she she wasn't able to take any more water. I could see she was going quickly, and I held her in. I sat on the bed and held held her her upper body, and like a baby, I was mm-hmm. feeling like she was my baby, and that I was again birthing her out of this world and. Um, Her body didn't die yet, but all of a sudden I felt this incredible energy come out the top of her head. And it was warm, loving, like it it 
I would never have thought I would say this, <laughs> but it was, I laid my mom's body down and I mm-hmm. just sat in this room and it was filled with my mom's energy. I can't, I, it may sound crazy, but and this is what no. my clients always tell me, I'm crazy, but the room was filled with my mom's loving, warm energy. And her caregiver was in the room with me and we did not go over to my mom's body. We didn't say a word. She sat and did the same thing. It was like, Oh my gosh. And my husband came in and he didn't, he didn't go over to my mom's body. He didn't say what, he didn't ask any questions. He sat down and he said, Oh my God, this room is so full of love. And then my son came in and his wife and he said the same thing. And it was fear of death changed. Isn't it was like something? I had I had my mom's energy with me. I it's like I absorbed my mom, mm-hmm. and she's never she's never she's a part of me now. Right. And so that was a huge, huge experience for changing my perspective of life and death. And you know. It's it's um, really a moving story, and I suspect that there are people that either have experiences themselves or, frankly, wish they could have. Um, I um, I had a guest oh, quite some time ago that his husband was just in his final stages of his life. He was still coherent. So in the state of California, he was still coherent, but he Mm -hmm. was ready to leave. Mm -hmm. And in California and 10 other states, there is a law that's called um, death and dignity, or dying and dignity, I can't remember now, death and dignity, where it's not for that demented person that's laying in the bed like, that that's just a, that's just a soul and a body, but is is not mm-hmm. alive, so to speak, not functioning. And mm-hmm. um, and he was able, through the support of his wife and family, to leave. And um, I thought it was a beautiful story because he was able to make that choice. And I know that's very controversial, and we're not going to go into the controversy of that because it is political and controversial. But for for the for the woman that lost her husband in this way, it bring, brought her great comfort. Now, in your mom's yeah. case, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about that um, energy. I, I do mm-hmm. understand what you're saying, and there's mm-hmm. something very comforting about that. I mean, nobody wants to lose their loved one, but the I, the fact that not only were you feeling this energy, but so was your family. That's a that's yeah. a that's a beautiful story, and you know, I, I I I appreciate you sharing it because I think others can um, ex- experience that and relate to that. And I was just curious. Um, how would you interpret the closeness between the gift and the wound? Well, I think that's a really good example right there, mm-hmm. is that 
that I had a huge wound. My heart mm-hmm. was just broken open when my mom died. Mm-hmm. But the gift was this this shift in my understanding of life and death. And it you know, when we have when we carry fear of death with us, it really minimizes our life. Because mm-hmm. we're walking around with this fear. And so that that was a huge gift. You know, um it, the wound can be uh, grief, it can be um, challenges, it can be trauma, um, and it's not so much the event, but how we behave because of the event. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yes. like people can experience trauma and then... Um, have different reactions to it. And when we, we don't blame, it, like if we look at our reactions to it, is how it'll help us heal. Um, like with, with, with my mom, I had um, been caregiving once a week and taking care of a lot of things for her. And when she was gone, I had this extra time and she always wanted me to go back to school. And uh-huh. so I... I did for, you know, for her, partly for her, and then just there we are. There's mm-hmm. a gift. You know, always the light shines from the opening, right? We can't have yes. light if it's not dark. Right. Um, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful metaphor if you just sort of, as you're listening to this, um, listeners, just closing your eyes and just listening to what you just said. Because um, I, I believe that as well. I, I do mm-hmm. believe that, that that's that's very true. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! It was a great man. Einstein said, "Adversity gets us to knowing ourselves." Yeah. It was the recognition that mm-hmm. you know, when, if even looking at COVID, you know, if we can look at it and come out of this as more insightful and more compassionate and more loving and be doing the things that we love and um, as, a, as a country, as a world can shift things. Right. Take that that we had to stop and, and go to the side of the gift of it. It, it, it could change change our world it it could and i think that's oftentimes i mean i'm certainly not a therapist but oftentimes i'm guessing whomever whether it's that kid or that teenager or that adult they're so caught into the wound that they don't see that there's even a gift possible and perhaps that's why people come to you as a hope therapist and i I'd like to mention, just while we're speaking right now, because everybody spells their name the way they spell it. Some Marshas spell it C-I-A, some of us spell it S-H-A. In your case, Michelle, you spell your name M-I-C-H-E-L-E, and your last name is Barbic, B-A-R-B-I-C. And um, I I would like to invite people to... um, and I'll make sure that I mention this again, and I will certainly post this in my blog. But if you are interested in what Michelle is talking about, um, you can go to her website, 
which is called Life Transitions, with an S, TherapyCA.com. And I'll, re- I'll repeat that again at the end of the show. But if you just type in Michelle Barbick, you're going to get to her website as well. Her, her phone number is there. Her email is there. You can contact her and um, because you don't have to be living in California to get help. And I think that that is the beauty of where we are in today's technology, which is really very helpful. So I want to clarify that a little. I, um, I, uh, if we're out of California, I can help refer you to someone. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. If we're in California, then there's, you know, the, um, the uh, telehealth that we can do. Um, sure. Or I can refer you to therapists all over the state or refer for you to books or, you know, support materials if that's what you need. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that because in today's Zoom world, you just never know, right? But I appreciate you qualifying that because that is important. But if you are listening and you're in Des Moines and and you're relating to this, Michelle can help you find that help. And I believe that's what you said, correct? Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay. I have a question. Okay. Um, I know been, um died several, 14 years ago, I believe. Yes. Um, and I, I'd love to hear, if, you know, what I'm saying about a gift from someone's passing. Is that, uh, like, some people will be taken back when I say that? Um, and, and I wouldn't want to say that to someone when they've had their losses very fresh because mm-hmm. like I did with my mom, it was like nothing good is going to come out of this. Yeah. And that's what, not what we mean by a gift, right? Mm-hmm. We would never wish, you know, our loved one, we would bring them back and not take the gift. But right, exactly. Can we work with this? So I was wondering if if you, you know, in our in talking about this, have you um, seen anything that has changed for you, um, if you will, a gift that that you've allowed to come to you um, from Butch's passing? You know, from your grief. Thank, thank you, thank you for asking me that because um, while you only had a couple of days to really experience what you knew was coming, in my case. It was absolutely unexpected. We were out for breakfast. We had driven to the Staples Center for a basketball game. We sat down. Um, He sat down. I was running my mouth with the people in my row. And the lady that I was talking with said, I think there's something wrong with your husband. So I went, Mm -hmm. what? So I, I turn around and here's this big six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound guy with his chin against his chest, gurgling. And I'm going, Oh my God And there were a couple of turns out off duty firefighters behind him with um their hands his fingers on each side of his neck, yelling out, Call nine one one and I'm thinking, What is going on? I I mean what's I'm I'm kinda of shaking him like Butch Butch, you know, he's He's out. He's he's not he's not conscious. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it took a while, as you might imagine. We were at the very top of the Staples Center. They have to take the elevators. Paramedics are always on site. And um, they they started, you know, the best they could. They put him on the gurney. They took him downstairs. I got in the ambulance. We went to the hospital around the corner. And he died. And um, mm-hmm. he died of what's, what's called sudden cardiac arrest, which is kind of interesting because... My husband was was an electrical engineer, um, had a wonderful career in radar systems with Raytheon, and retired. And he was retired, and we were on to the next portion of our life. You know, we were at the basketball game. I mean, we were just you know having a great time. But he lived very simply, and I think this was part of his engineering background. And he lived with this motto that was it is what it is, adapt. Mm. Now, Mm. I would always say it is what it is, yeah, but, and he said, nope, it is what it is, adapt. Mm. And similarly, Mm. similarly to what you just described about your mom, I I was thinking about this. Um, There was a TV show, in fact, they've, they've brought it back, but it's not the same format, I don't think. But when my kids, when our kids were young, there was a show called Quantum Leap. Scott mm-hmm. Bakula would leap into this person's identity, and then they he would live in this person's world, and he would, that's what the show, the episode was about. And I really felt that happened to me. I felt like mm-hmm. Butch had leaped into my life and said, Marsha, I didn't mean to leave you, but it is what it is, adapt. So I thought, all right. So we were t- we were married for just about 38 years. I'm I'm the mom of two adult married children, uh, each with their own fur babies. And while the kids were growing up, I was a stay-at-home mom. That was the term they used in those days. I was very active and a member of my Westchester community where I still live. I was born and raised here, and I continue to live here. But I had a personal identity and passions. We talked about that earlier. And because of a very good friend of mine named Deb Blaine, who was part of our Sparks season ticket holder WNBA friends, she introduced me to an entirely new world. And that was being a talk show host. And she saw that in me. And I've always mm-hmm. loved a conversation with people. And I knew, and whether I knew them or they were strangers. So this, this coming up in eight years, this April, I have taken that gift that was given to me, and I've mm-hmm. taken it to a whole new world by being yep. this podcast person. And that was the gift I got. I wouldn't be doing this otherwise. So, mm. you know, thank you for allowing me to share th- that part of my story with you because that was very, that was very kind. Um, and I got the goosebumps when I heard oh, you say that. That, oh, that well, it is what it, uh, it is. Cope. Yeah. Right. What was it? It is what it, it is. is. It is what it is. Adapt. Right? Adapt. And that's that's kind of what we have to do when we experience grief, right? Well, let's, um, and let's talk about it, that. 
Michelle, let's let's actually talk yeah. about grief because I think what would be important for our listeners to know, because I'm sorry I went on so long about this, but I'd like you no. to define from your perspective, what does grief mean? Love. Grief means mm-hmm. love. Because if we we are grieving because we love so much what we lost. If we didn't have love, we wouldn't have grief. And grief is that emotion. Grief, a lot of times people get confused about mourning and grief. So mourning is like the outward expression of the loss. Like we have, you know, um, we, we have services for our loved ones. We have the grouping together, you know, with, with our family and friends to, um, to mourn the um, death of our loved ones. Grief is the emotional injury or personal experience. You know, there's so many um, definitions, but I think the best one that I found is, is love. That mm-hmm. every time you, you, you feel that, sadness that 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 i you know that pain it's it's that if we look at it as love it's there because we loved mm-hmm. um, that makes sense love, to me mm-hmm. it never right. lies then that's that's the, the thing is that we lose their body but we don't lose the energy like my mom we don't lose their love mm-hmm. and that's of course to a lot of people it's not having them here you can't call them up but <clears throat> you still you can reflect back when you and butch first met and the love mm-hmm. you felt you, mm-hmm. you still have that that memory that image yes. that warm heart you know mm-hmm. um, that's true yeah i think about the fact that you don't um have clients that are just adults you have children and teens and i was just thinking about you know what what is it like when you lose your grandma Mm -hmm. or your grandpa or your favorite auntie Mm -hmm. or even Mm -hmm. your pet you know this is Mm -hmm. you're 12 years old and this you've had this pet your whole life and it's like you don't want to get up and go to school you know you're just you're in this a, a, a really difficult position of transition and I just think what what you do and what you provide to your clients is just so valuable because it, it helps put some perspective. You give people yeah. tools, and um, I, I love your website. I, I, you, you write blogs. You have a lot of resources there, and uh, I really... I think this is very important. You're not going to get this from your family position. You might get some of this support from your close friends. I certainly did. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. but what about my kids? You only get one Mm -hmm. dad. You know, people Mm -hmm. remarry. You may end up getting remarried. You know, you're a young widow and you decide, or a widower, you know, you you want to get on with your life and perhaps you'd, establish a new relationship maybe you do or maybe you don't get married but with your children you only get one dad and it was very difficult for me to share this with my kids 
because Michelle, this will kind of crack you up, but probably makes a lot of sense to you. Um, I would say to people, Butch was the rock, and I was the mouthpiece. If you if you had a problem, you didn't want to go to oh baby baby baby. You wanted to get it solved. You know, Mom, you're going to talk this thing to death. What is what? I'm going to Dad. Dad's going to tell me what to do. You know, and my kids were young. They were in their 30s. You know, and um, and that's where you went for your advice. Oh, right, God. right. I'm glad you brought up children because um, it's it's something that we need to start from a very young age. And you mm-hmm. know, people come to me and say, "Well, should we have our child, you know, know about the death, or how do we handle it?" And it's so uh, our society doesn't talk about death and dying, and so when it happens, no matter what age, it's very confusing. Where in you know days past. The, you know, we they used to have grandma in the parlor, the living room. Right. They would lay out in the living room, and um, and and kids would run around her 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 body when she was. You mm-hmm. know, it's part of life and death. And now, you know, we hesitate to to have any conversation around death. And so, yeah, the kids are very confused. I had a group of littles in, when I worked at hospice for several years, and I worked um, the littles group. And they were kids like from four to seven. And they, the biggest thing, Marsha, this one day, do I have time to tell this? This one day oh, we're yes, sitting around sure. and they're all, they're all like running, you know, like not listening to the story I'm telling and they're all active and, and then all of a sudden, one of the little girls started to cry in the circle. And um, and I said, what's wrong, honey? She said, well, my grandma died, and I really miss her. And one of the other little girls went to the cabinet and got her a stuffed animal and brought it over and oh. said, here, you hug this. This will make you feel better. And then another little boy spoke up, and they were all quiet now. Like before that, they were hugging him. And this other little boy spoke up and said, you know, my uncle died. He went, no, his dad, his, his dad died. They went away on vacation, and all of a sudden he wasn't with us anymore, and they didn't tell me how it happened or what was going on, and I, I, I don't know why my dad died. And then another little boy spoke up, and he goes, my grandma died. And I, one day we, were gonna, we saw her, and then the next day we didn't, and I don't know what happened to her. I, I, nobody, no, my parents wouldn't talk about it. And so we mm-hmm. had him draw grandma and what, it, what he saw where grandma might be. And so it starts <clears throat> by us having death be kind of part of life. Mm-hmm. So that the children did by it. The, the, what I was getting from the group, and there's more to this story, but was that the part that was the hardest for them was they didn't know what was, what happened to them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what how, what happened? And, and talking about, you know, we don't know what happens after death, but we can talk about, well, what do you think? And, you know, what are, mm-hmm. what are some of the options? And what, you know, what are some of the, the things that other people believe in? Just talking about it with kids. And then, the, you know, then that way when they're 20 and it right. happens, they're a little bit more 
understanding of it and right. and being being talk about it as just another part of life it's it's really true you may you mean i'm sure people that are listening to you regardless of their age are thinking gosh you know what i remember when my grandma died or i remember when my favorite aunt died or whomever yeah. that might have been a family member my mother-in-law i loved my mother-in-law so much and you know you you think back about that and you think you try not to go to the what ifs I, mm-hmm. I i had an anxiety coach on my show a month or so ago and the what ifs are not helpful cuz it causes anxiety no. it it's mm-hmm. it's not helpful but what you mm-hmm. could say is I remember when, or you mm-hmm. you you make uh, something to eat that smells like something, or you you bring those memories. I I've lived in my house forever um, since 1973, and when my parents died and my father was in the military, what was I going to do? Was I just going to get rid of his uniform with his medals and all this stuff? No, it's in my attic. Mm-hmm. Now, will my kids do something with it? I don't know. That'll be up to them. I mean, that was their grandpa, but that was my dad. And you know, right. and, I, and you look at pictures, and you know, of their wedding, or you, you know, I, I mean, I, when I'm sitting here in my office. I have a picture of Butch and myself when we went through the Panama Canal. I have a picture of my father-in-law and my dad. My father-in-law and my dad had the same birthday, just that my father-in-law was six years older. Um, so, you know, you look back at those memories, and I think if you, if, you, if you are so inclined, rather than cry, and maybe crying is part of it too, but sometimes oh, yes, you don't, smile. Don't people cry. Don't poo-poo crying. That's a really healing, you want, mm-hmm. you want, we want to cry. It's allowing us to get it out. So many times, like, my clients will go, oh, I'm sorry. They'll start crying. And No, I'm right. here to set up space for you to cry, to get it out. Right. It's so important to do the us. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but that's no, the no, no. part. <laughs> what you want to know something that's really interesting about you, what you just said. I actually went into therapy about that exact subject because I thought, why aren't I crying? Well, I mean, really, this is a sad situation. Where are my tears? And I think I had stuffed my emotions so deep Mm-hmm. I remember getting into the shower and shedding a few tears. But I, the the type of crying that I think would have been more healthy, I ex, I explored in therapy. And, you know, frankly, I had just mm-hmm. forgotten that until you said that. Because mm-hmm. it, if, if you can't express those feelings and you just, are adapting, which is what he told me to do. Well, just adapt. It's like, well, shoot, okay, I'll just adapt then. What the hell? I mean, you're not here. Who's cooking? <laughs> I mean, you did all the cooking. When my friend Deb and my our, our our Sparks friends walked into my kitchen, which was what started this whole road for me, she looked around the kitchen and she said, oh, my God. And I said, I know. All that's missing is the chef. You know, I, I don't cook. He cooked. 
So, you know, and, and we smiled, I mean, because they all knew him too. So um, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice yeah, to keep your loved ones alive, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's right. And you can see those signs, you know, if you just keep open to them. Um, my mom loved rose, yellow roses, and I can't oh. tell you how many times I – this one time on Mother's Day, I was on the beach with a friend – my good friend, and uh, I said, you know, I'm really missing my mom. I just have to take mm-hmm. a walk, and it was this really dreary day, and I started walking, and all of a sudden I came across a yellow rose. Oh, and gosh. And I, like, as I had said to her, show me a, shot, a sign that you're okay mm-hmm. or that, you know, just want to connect with you. And two minutes later, I find this yellow rose, and I kept walking, wow. and very short, I had a bouquet of yellow roses that had, and the beach was cleaner of any, every, anything. The only thing were these yellow roses. And my son, just like a month or two ago, was on the beach, and he had the same experience <laughs> happen to him. He was thinking of Grandma, and he and his wife were, t- I think, talking about her, and all of a sudden they're walking, and here's this yellow rose. And oh I can't gosh. tell you how of my clients have these experiences where, you know, it could be birds or it could be uh, Mm -hmm. heart rocks or it could be, and we can't explain it. We can't deny it or we can't prove it. But I'll tell you what, if you open yourself up to it and and notice things, it feels, it gives you so much peace. And so I don't care if it's what, you know, if we can't explain it, it, how does it make, it makes you feel connected Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel and um so keep your eyes open for these little signs that might be out there. It's um, so tr- it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, um Butch and I were huge basketball fans and mm-hmm. um my son works for the University of Arizona and it was Arizona's University of Arizona and Arizona State that were playing one another at the game we were about to see. And, Mm. you know, life works in mysterious ways. Sudden cardiac arrest could have happened in the car. It could have Mm -hmm. happened while we were driving to the Staples Center. It could have happened Mm. in the bed where I've gone out walking with my friends and I come home and I don't remember CPR. Now he's dead because of me. Do you know what I mean? You play those scenarios in your mind. And then you say to yourself, you know what? He died precisely where we enjoyed going. We were in a location that he that we went to, and um, it's very comforting, you know. When you look for those those comforts, when you think Mm -hmm. about those that have passed, and I'm sure my kids do as well. They see their dad. And elements of their lives. Julie's in construction. She's she she didn't follow her pathway of um, theater arts from UCLA. No, she inherited her dad's DNA, and is, you know she's she's a she's a big wig in construction. Dave, you know he he took his father's other other parts of his dad, and he's incorporated it into his life. And I think that's what we do. That's what keeps our loved ones alive. I can still hear my mother-in-law's voice. I can still hear my dad's voice. 
I can hear voices from those in the past, and yeah. I can hear Butch's voice. I can hear his chuckle, you know, and and mm-hmm. that's very comforting. And I think I think we shouldn't. I don't think we should shove that down. I think we should say, "Come on up," right? No, absolutely, absolutely. And I or I facilitate grief groups, and there I don't. You you sit with a group of people that get it. They all are experiencing similar you know you know emotions and Uh they once one up with what they've experienced like oh you know i had this feeling like my mom was there and then this happened or this happened and then the other one will say and everybody once they see that everybody else has had these experience they're not intimidated they're not like oh my god they're going to think i'm crazy if i say this and i there's, there's so many of these happenings that it's it's um, it's just, it's unexplainable, you know, to, and it, it's sad when people deny it, you know. Right. Know right. You could because see the happens. beauty in it, it as opposed to the mm-hmm. sadness in it, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I can mm-hmm. tell you, I could talk to you for days. I could. I, mm-hmm. I find you so engaging, and um, you are um don't underestimate the fact that, yes, you are an exceptional listener because you have to be. But you wove a beautiful story, and that mm. is really important. And so know that you can also speak because what you're saying today could touch others, and people can go to your website to learn more. They can get, like I said, they can go to you to get a referral. Um, if they're living nearby, they can certainly see you in person. But I just want to thank you for taking mm-hmm. this time to share your story with me personally, because I've taken this personally, but also with our listeners. It's, it was beautiful. Mm, thank you so much, Marsha. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about something I'm passionate about. Yes. Okay, everybody. Well, you might not realize this, but this is actually the fifth Monday of the month. And each Monday, I have had one incredible woman after another. And that's not deliberate. That wasn't by design. It's just how it worked out. That's what the universe set out. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do this each week and share this with all of you. And Michelle will be available online for those of you that need more information. And now I'm going to say goodbye and thank you. Trust me, I will be back again next week. Bye for now, everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.